Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. John this morning, and we're going to look at John chapter 8. We're actually going to start in verse 53 of 7, which is the last verse of chapter 7. And uh, we're going to be talking about the woman who was caught in adultery today. And I've entitled this message, Jesus Forgives the Woman of Adultery. It says, And everyone went to his own house. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought in, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in, in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that, she, that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So as we look at this old familiar section of scripture you know this is the story of one who forgives the story of jesus christ this is jesus who forgives us our every sin you know they've been trying to figure out some way to get rid of this jesus because he doesn't fit into their mold he doesn't do what they want him to do he's not like all the other people that go about and are kind of afraid of the leaders and all that he, he wants to do what he's called to do. You know, it's amazing to me how threatened people get by people who speak their mind and, and try to do what's right. And that's what Jesus was trying to do. He's always trying to do what's right. He always does do right. He doesn't always try. He always does what's right. And, you know, many of us, when we try to do what's right, what are we labeled as? Troublemakers. And that's what they've labeled Jesus. They've labeled him as such a troublemaker that they want to kill him. Jesus has told them that he's the living water, that he's the bread of life. He's done many miracles, signs, and wonders. And instead of being impressed and believing that he's God, they want to kill him. 
And, you know, that's the way it is. When people stand out amongst the crowd and they start drawing attention to themselves and away from those, the powers that be, they don't like it. It says here, after Jesus divided them and he spoke and the Pharisees sent the people to, to arrest Jesus, the officers of the court, and they came back and they said, well, why didn't you bring him back? And they said, no man ever spoke like this man. And that's because he was Jesus, the God-man. They don't know what else to do, so everybody, it says, went to their own house. But it says Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, whether he went to pray or went to just get secluded and get away from the crowd. We don't know. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and it says in verse 2, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. So Jesus comes again to the temple. That's the place of teaching. And he comes very early. And it says, And all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. The scribes are trying to figure out some way to, to discredit him, some way to make him hated by not only the Romans, but also by the people. The people love him because he forgives sins and heals people. But they want to try to make him hated and do some kind of say something or do something that will turn the people against him and also let the Roman government kill him. And so they come up with a plan. They've tried before and now they try again. And it says in verse 3, Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, What teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. So here are these scribes and Pharisees. The scribes are those that write down the law. And the Pharisees are the ones who interpret the law. The Pharisees are like the lawyers of the day. And the scribes are the people that actually write it down and write down what it's supposed to, what it's supposed to mean. And so here they are. And they say that they bring to him a woman. They, they interrupt him right in the middle of his teaching in the temple. And they bring this woman in. She's probably, he doesn't have much clothes on or no clothes on or whatever. And they drag her right into the temple, right in front of everybody. They want this to be a scene that nobody will forget. And so they drag him right in front of her. And it says, when they had set her in the midst, they said she was caught in adultery, the very act of adultery. You know, the first question is, is if they, the woman was caught in adultery, where is the man? It wasn't just, you know, okay, well, we stone women, or we, the women are guilty under the law, but the men get away from it. I know it seems like that sometimes, but, uh, and maybe it is that way sometimes, but, you know, the, the, uh, the man should have been right there too. This is not something they would have just caught somebody doing. Because usually people are being pretty secretive when they're doing secret sins. But here they have this woman and they drag her right in the middle of the temple. Right in the middle of Jesus teaching. And they say she was caught in adultery in the very act of adultery. We called her red handed. We called her right there. They say now Moses in the law commanded us. That such should be stoned. But what do you say? 
So they said this, testing him that they might have something at which to accuse him. So they bring the lady in, and she's right there, and all eyes are riveted on this whole scene. You can imagine, right in the middle of the temple, and here's this woman, like I said, either mostly unclothed or no clothes. They drug her in, and they come in and they say, Look, Moses said to stone this woman. What do you think, Jesus? Ah, we got you now, Jesus. <laughs> what you going to do now, Jesus? If you say stoner, all the people are going to hate you because they love that you're forgiving and, and show grace and kindness and love. But then, if you say don't stoner, then you've broken the law and you're not going to be right with God. They think they have Him. They think they've got Him. And they've planned it well. But you know what Jesus does? He says here, But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with His finger as though He did not hear. So what does He do? He, he pretends not to hear. And, and you know, it says that He wrote on the ground with His finger. Now we have no idea what He wrote. If they wanted us to know, if God wanted us to know what He wrote, He would have put down what He wrote here. But He didn't, didn't tell us what He wrote because really that's not what this is about. The story is about who Jesus is and about these uh, Pharisees who are really hypocrites. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to make somebody look bad so they can look good. And, you know, many times religious folks, I say religious folks, can be pretty mean. Did you know that religion has been blamed for most of the problems in the world? And if you look around, there's a lot of things that have been blamed. The Protestants and the Catholics have been fighting over in Ireland for years and years and years. But if they were really truly saved, they wouldn't be fighting like that, right? Or at least they shouldn't be anyway. Here... These religious folks, they don't know Jesus, they're not saved, they're not forgiven, but they want to look proud, and that's the way some religious folks are. They want to look good, they dress right, they look good, but they don't, they don't have Christ. And so Jesus stoops down and he pretends not to hear and he writes on the ground. So why does he do this? There's a couple of couple of things that could be happening here by stooping down and pretending to write on the ground and, and ignoring them. I think, first of all, he says he pretended he did not hear. You know, you know, what, you know when somebody says something that, that uh, is not worth hearing or you don't think it's worth responding to, what do you do? Ignore them, right? <laughs> well, that's what it says. He pretended not to hear. So what is Jesus doing? He's basically saying, what y'all folks are saying ain't even worth listening to. That y'all aren't even, y'all like a gnat on the wall, a fly on the wall, ain't even worth paying attention to y'all. And so I'm going to ignore y'all because y'all aren't worth my time and effort. So when he stoops down, number one, he, he's ignoring them, which makes them mad. Number two, I think what he's doing is he's drawing all the attention to himself by stooping down and taking the attention off the woman 
And number three, he's probably stooping down and, and looking at the ground so he doesn't have to look at this unclothed woman. So he's accomplishing three things all at the same time. And because Jesus being God, he really didn't need to be looking on an unclothed woman. None of us do unless this husband or wife. And so we don't need to be looking on anybody. He, he accomplishes these things. He takes the attention away from the woman. And he pretends he does not hear. Now, I don't know why he was writing on the ground. Maybe he was reminding them about the fact that God wrote, you know, on the tablets with the finger of God and, you know, wrote the Ten Commandments. We don't know. Have no idea. It doesn't say. That doesn't seem to be the point of the story. It says in verse 7, So when they continued asking him, they wouldn't leave him alone. They kept on and on and on. Say, what are you going to do, Jesus? What do you think we should do, Jesus? What should we do with this woman, Jesus? What are we going to do, Jesus? It's laid squarely on him. It says he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6 and 7 says, Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses he shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness the hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death and afterwards the hands of all the people so you shall put away the evil from among you part of the thing that the old testament said is the person who wrote and was the one who actually was a witness, you know what, part of that, that being able to stone them was the fact that they were not guilty of that particular crime. And so they were not guilty of that particular crime. They had to be not guilty of that crime. And because they weren't guilty of that particular crime or involved in it in any way, shape, or form, then they could be the ones who stoned her, right? I heard one time about a preacher around here and he was doing like a circuit preaching and he wasn't actually the pastor of the church because he probably couldn't have got away with it if he did. But there was a woman that was playing the piano and I guess her husband had divorced her or something and, and they were letting her, and she was still playing the piano in the church and they wanted to kick her out of the church and not let her play the piano and not let her do anything and he said he stooped in the parking lot and he grabbed him a few little rocks and he, and when he got ready to end it was preaching, he laid him up on the table and said, whoever's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone and they left her alone. And that's the way it is. Though. You know, everybody wants to point the fingers at everybody else, but nobody wants to be the one to cast the first stone. And so I think here Jesus is literally by writing on the ground, he's putting his finger on the point of the whole deal. It says here, you know, basically if you're not guilty of this particular sin, you've not been a part of any part of this, then hey, pick up stone and throw her. Throw it at her, you know. It's it's like it's one thing to accuse somebody of adultery and ruin their reputation. It's another thing to kill somebody and murder them trying to make yourself look good. That's a whole other story, isn't it? And that's really what Jesus is saying, you know, that if y'all kill this woman, 
Y'all have made up this whole thing. Y'all have arranged it. Y'all have worked it out. Now what you going to do? Are you guilty of this? And then he, he kind of gets down and he stoops down on the ground again and he starts to write again, it says. And uh, maybe he was given some more time to think about it. Maybe he wrote some of their particular sins on the ground. We don't know. But the bottom line is, is he wanted to give him a little bit more time to think about what's really going on here. What are y'all really doing? Sometimes uh, you used to read about these old stories about the lynch mobs, right? And uh, people would get all wound up. and As long as there was a crowd, they'd be willing to do something. But when it came down to the individuals, if you ran off the leaders, the instigators then the crowd wasn't willing to do anything. And I think that's what Jesus is doing. Is he's working on these leaders because all eyes are watching this whole situation. What is Jesus going to do? What's going to happen? What's going on here? And then it says in verse 9, Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, or the youngest, I thought the Bible used to say in one of the other versions, oldest to the youngest. Maybe the older folks had a little bit more sense. They've been around a little bit longer and had a little bit more sense. You know, young folks, sometimes they, they get all fired up and they don't care what they do, do they? <laughs> but, but the older folks, they got a little bit more sense. And sometimes as older folks, uh, our consciences are a little bit softer and, and maybe not as hard. Because we understand pain and sorrow and understand that none of us are really perfect and that we all have problems. Apparently, as he gave them time to think, as he ignored their question still and just writes down on the ground and stoops down and they start thinking about it, well, are we really going to kill this woman? Are we going to stone this woman? Because Jesus basically said, hey, you know, that's what the law says. That's what Moses said. Whoever you is able to do it, start at it. Have at it. Stone her if you want to. And so they all began to leave, beginning with the oldest, even to the youngest. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Guess what? There's only one witness now. And Jesus. And He says... When Jesus had raised himself up, saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? He looks at her and he says, Look, there's nobody else around. We don't have two or three witnesses, as the law said. Has nobody condemned you? And she says, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So as we think about this this uh, section of scripture today, you know we need to remember that that we're all human beings. We all make mistakes, and the Old Testament did say to stone folks, but you know what? Jesus never condoned sin. He knew this was pretty well a, a contrived situation that they made it up to do whatever they wanted to do, and if it had really been true. Uh, where was the man? He breaks up the whole situation. And, you know, as we think about this, Jesus gives us a couple of points. One of the things that we need to remember is the Bible tells us 
that Galatians says, come to people in a spirit of humility. Remember that we're human beings. And then not to be judgmental, right? But he says, come with a spirit of humility. You who are spiritual, come and be humble and judge people. Lest you be overtaken too. Because we're all human beings. We all have problems. God also wants us to remember some of the favorite, one of the favorite verses of the, the sinners that are unsaved, the people that don't know the Lord is, judge not lest you be judged. Did you know that? And one of the things they say was, you know, the Bible says don't judge lest you be judged. Well, that isn't what Jesus was saying. Jesus was talking about hypocritical judgment. And sometimes we can be guilty of that. In other words, what Jesus was telling these folks over in Matthew chapter 7, He tells them, get the beam out of your own eye before you go try to pull the toothpick out of somebody else's. Really what He was talking about this big old 2 by 4 a 4 by 4 is in somebody's eye. And He says, and you're trying to go pull a toothpick out of somebody else's eye. He says, get rid of your own problem first and then you can deal with other people. And so what he's doing here is he's saying, look, don't be judgmental. Don't be hypocritical. Look at things as they are. Realize that we're all sinners, that we all deserve death and hell. But Jesus died on that cross for our sins that we might have eternal life. Don't be looking down on other people. Realize that that you have just as many problems as they do. I know I do. I, I tend to can... We can all get hypocritical. We can all get judgmental. But you know what? Just remember, when you start looking at other people and examining what they do wrong, what we need to do first is look at ourselves and say, hmm, have I ever done that? What do I do that's wrong? And sometimes we'll be a little bit more forgiving towards people. Because it's real easy to look at other people and see what they do. But then forget that we do the same thing or worse sometimes. The sins of the Pharisees, even though this woman, if she was really in adultery, that was one of the sins in the Old Testament that you could be killed for. It was ranked up there with murder. But you know what? God said we're in the age of grace. That God wants us to love one another and forgive one another and be tender-hearted to one another. And he says, leave the judging to God. Because <laughs> there's only one judge, and that's God. He's the one that ultimately one day is going to judge all of us for our sins. And that's Jesus. I think what Jesus was trying to say is leave the judging up to God. Because He is the only one that's qualified to judge. Because He is the only one that is sinless. And He is the only one who knows what's really right and what's really wrong. And we as people, sometimes we get it all mixed up. Today, if you don't know the Lord, I pray that you would ask Him to forgive you and ask Him to save you and ask Him to work in your life and change you. But if you know Him today, just help Him to ask Him to help you to, to not have a hypocritical spirit. A spirit that loves people and and realizes that you have problems, I have problems, we all have problems. But it's God who is greater than all our sin. Was that song, Grace, Grace, 
wonderful grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. I can't remember the name of that song, but that's a wonderful song. And that's what Jesus was saying. So let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You. We praise You for who You are. We ask today that You would be with us as we finish up this service today and sing Your songs. And Lord, that You would be with those who are not feeling good and were not able to make it this morning because of whatever was going on with them. And those especially who didn't want to come because they didn't want to hear about You, Lord. So I pray that you would be with us as we sing your songs and we finish up. Lord, uh, we want to sing a song about your power and how your blood was forgiven us all. So Lord, we love you and thank you and praise you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.